Welcome, dear friends, to the Taviret, a Wheel of Time podcast hosted by three gentlemen for whom the very wheel itself bends around. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Bill, Rob, and Rich. Hello and welcome everyone. You have stumbled upon the Taviren, a Wheel of Time podcast. I will be your tour guide for this chapter of the Eye of the World. My name is Rob and I will be running things solo this week. No guarantees, but we are planning potentially a three-man pod for next week's episode. The chapter 40 episode where we will see Rand be introduced to a few new characters. But this week, you got me, you got me flying solo, and we have chapter 39, Weaving of the Web. Chapter 39, Weaving of the Web. Uh, we switch gears. We, we now know that Perrin and Egwene have been successfully rescued from the clutches of the vile white cloaks and have reunited with Moraine and Lan and Nynaeve. Now the attention now shifts to the big city of Camelin, where Rand knows that today is a big day in Camelin history, or an Andorian history, as you can say, and he doesn't want to miss a beat. He wants to be able to see what's going on. Normally we use this first part of the podcast to talk about any iTunes or Apple podcast reviews we have. Unfortunately, we don't have any new ones at this time, but as always, we welcome all forms of, of critique, positive, negative, neutral. We want to make sure that we can Make the best possible podcast or the best possible content we can provide for this great, great uh, community of fans of this great, great book series. Nothing really new coming out in Wheel of Time news. Personally, I'm every time that I see a commercial on on Twitter or on TV or wherever for, for upcoming Amazon Prime commercials or upcoming Amazon Prime shows... I chomp at the bit. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. When's the first commercial coming out? When's the first little teaser? I just, I don't even want to release date. I just want to see the first little teasers and start to tell everybody, there it is. That's it. That's the one. That's the show you must watch because it's going to be awesome. How long do you guys think it's going to be till we get our first teaser commercial? Just speculating that the show is going to drop late 2020 or most likely maybe first early second quarter of 2021 when will amazon start to drop the little uh teaser trailers i'd love to get your thoughts i can't wait myself i have to uh give a tip of the cap to one of the more successful and well thought out trolls of the uh, twitter of time community and that has to go to the the twitter handle of Wheel of Prime on Time. Rafe and company have announced that they've, they've kind of gone away from the Wheel of Time Wednesdays first of the month. They'll bring out news as needed on a day-by-day -day basis. This glorious uh, troll Twitter account decided to take the first Wednesday of, of the month and post some rather curious castings for the Andorran royal line, starting with Kathy Griffith as Queen Morgase, Lindsay Lohan as Queen, or I'm sorry, as Princess Elaine, the daughter heir to Andor, and to cap it off, Justin Bieber as Lord Gawain. Now, it's one thing to be able to just 
say, oh, this is what I heard and, and leak it like that. But this, these guys went through the whole spiel of, of making black and white headshot photos and having their own little kind of quotes to go along to, to give the illusion that they're being brought on by Wheel of Time on Prime. So at first, you don't know. You're assuming that this, you have no reason to assume that this is fake unless you catch the name switching up from Prime on Time to Time on Prime. But it did its job beautifully. I myself, I think I saw the Lindsay Lohan one first. And I was like, it, I almost did the Tim Allen. Eh? Really? Isn't she a little old? Then, you know, people started realizing that these are trolls. And I learned that these were trolls. And then I saw the Bieber and the Griffin one. And I'm like, wow, these guys, these guys did their homework. Good job. Hats off to you. Much respect. Job well done. You had me fooled. Good job. Hopefully you can keep up the good work and, and keep and keep trolling us. Because this kind of trolling is fun. And I and I appreciate I appreciate the time and effort put into it. Can't wait to see what those guys have next. So as I mentioned earlier, we are now up to chapter 39, Weaving of the Web. Rand has awoken in his room in the Queen's Blessing. He is Realizing today is the big day as the false dragon Loghain Ablar, who has been captured, is now going to be strutted through the streets of Camelon and presented to the queen herself. May the light illume her. So Rand wakes up. He's looking out the window of the queen's blessing and he sees that the crowd is gathering and he can't contain his excitement. He's a giddy little kid. He's like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm in the big city. Oh my God, there's this once in a lifetime thing happening. I get to see a false dragon. Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Oh my God. Matt, not so much. Matt has completely become a shut-in. He won't leave the room for any reason, anyone, any reason, anyway. He's not sick per se, but he just wants nothing to do with anyone. Rand Tried to implore with him, come on, dude, this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance to see the false dragon, to see a crowd, see him paraded through. There could be, you know, armies and trumpets and, you know, God knows what other sh fanfare show they might make. You can't miss this. Matt, Matt's reaction is more like, yeah, I don't care. I mean, he rolls over in his bed and he just puts his knees up and he's completely shut out. Go have your fun. I'm gonna. I don't want to do anything. Just sit here in bed. Yeah. Moran's take is well. Suit yourself. I'm gonna go check this out. I'm not gonna miss it. So I can sit out, sit here with with your, you know, dumbass, your lazy ass, or whatever you got going on. Peace. So as Rand's making his way out of the inn, he goes through and he and he goes through the kitchen, I believe, and he and he meets up with Basil. Basil informs Rand that he's heard a little bit of a rumor. And that someone in the city has come into the city simply known as The Beggar. And he has been asking for him and Matt by name. At first, Basil tells him, hey, there's people asking for you. And Rand gets excited. Really? Oh, maybe it's Perrin. Maybe it's Moraine. They're going, oh my God. And then Basil kind of says, well, hold on. Now slow your roll. This guy is kind of a destitute looking guy. Everybody's referring to him as The Beggar. Might not be who you're looking for. I would say sneak out the back door. Apparently there's two guys stationed outside. Maybe spies, may not be spies. Maybe white cloaks, may not be white cloaks. We don't know, but there's a couple guys that are 
kind of lollygagging around the entrance to the Queen's Blessing, I'd be safer if you make it out the back door. Rand makes it out the back door. We get our first introduction to to uh, uh, Lamguin. If I'm pronouncing that right, I don't have the book in front of me right now, but Lamguin, who we know is a sellsword hired by Basil Gill. One thing that Jordan likes to do is like, he does it with Lan a lot too. He gives the appearance of someone who's casually doing something else, but you can tell they are laser focused on everything going around him. So Lamguin, Lan is the epitome of that you know, laser sharp focus, but Lamguin has that sort of same aura in a lesser state as well. Where he's casually, you know, picking his nails or doing whatever. But if crap went down, he was on it like a cat. I think Lamguin even comments to Rand, hey, keep your eyes out. You know, the, the I guess because of the red and the white, Rand and the Queen's Blessing follow the red, which is in support of the Queen. And white is essentially just not in support of the Queen and her eyes to die witches, in quotes. But Jordan also says that the white have been outnumbering the red uh, by a large amount. Lamguin even tells Rand as he's walking out, keep your eyes out for groups of white. Um, if anything happens uh, here in the Queen's Blessing, to be sure, sure, nice to have you and that sword on our side helping us out too. Rand even comments to himself, my God, how talented with the sword do these guys think I am? I mean, yeah, I used it a little bit. I trained a little bit, but if shit went down, I hope these guys know I'm not going to be on their level. Anyway, that's that kind of feeling passes by Rand as he makes his way out into into the city proper he gets swept in the crowd for those who have ever been to downtown Manhattan it reminds me of that where you know you'll come out of the building or come out of the store where we're at and the crowd is just going down the road and you can walk against it if you want to but you're going to get a lot of bumps in the shoulder a lot of sour looks and a lot of hey pal you gotta work that, that kind of stuff but in this case this crowd is definitely headed in one direction, and that's towards the palace, that's towards the inner city, that's towards what is supposedly going to be the parade route for the false dragon. So everybody is trying to find their their best best spot to see things. Uh, it actually is at this time that Rand notices, as what Basil and Languin have, have come to tell him, is that it's actually a 10 to 1 white marks to red marks. And white, as we said, is is against Morgase, and red is for Queen Morgase. Rand, Rand then also comments again to him stuff because I wish I uh, had a little bit of wherewithal because it seems that the red marked supporters of Queen Morgase are sticking together in groups, and the fear is that a, a, a lone wolf, red uh, marked sword guy could be a target if a pack of whites decide to to make to make an example of somebody so rand wished he had thought this through a little bit more he's trying to make his way into town trying to make his way through town trying to stay with the crowd and on top of trying to stay away from dark friends and all this other white cloaks and all this other bad stuff he now has to worry about maybe a drunk of uh, a bunch of drunk white supporters see rand by himself and decide to make an example so Always something that he has to worry about. There's always something going on. That Rand has to worry about that as well. As we know, Rand is a tall fellow. I'm going to guesstimate he's somewhere in the 6263 range, which is taller than most of the Andorans that he's been with. Outside of Loyal, he probably pretty much has been the tallest person he, he knows. 
or that has seen on his uh, journey since leaving the two rivers. So he is able to find a good spot along the road, along the parade route, where he can stand three people back and still see overhead and get a good view of the action once it happens. So he's there, he found his perch, he's standing there, everybody's kind of in a tizzy, oh, you know, good to see the gonna see the false dragon. This is gonna be this is gonna be great. I don't no clue what's gonna happen. But before anything starts and everything is still in a pre-fevered pitch, he looks across the street and he sees a billowing of people make a path. I think one thing Jordan even commented was that there was such a crowd, a packed crowd in these inner city, inner roads towards the parade route that even white cloaks who in Barillon we know were given wide berth no longer have that luxury and are just making their way through the crowd shoulder to shoulder like with everybody else. But having said that, Rand across the street sees the crowd part and people are starting to make space for something. And that space starts to make its way towards the main road or towards where the parade route is. And then it opens up and literally one man just kind of out into the parade route. And this man is destitute. The ragged clothes, ragged hair, no shoes, just an overall dirty... We can see why people were giving him a, a wide berth, probably for the sight and the smell alone. Rand immediately realizes this guy is probably the beggar that Basil had mentioned earlier in the chapter. And Rand is now, oh God, I hope he doesn't see me. And it seems as though the moment Rand says, I hope he doesn't see me, the beggar immediately locks eyes with Rand. As if, there he is. And according to Jordan, he points and just screams and starts to make his slow creep towards Rand. Now, no one has realized that it's Rand this guy has, has seen out. They just know is some creepo, weird, smelly guy who's made himself out into the parade route. He's now pointed, screamed, and he's now shuffling across the street towards the other side, the other side of the street in the crowd. So people start to make partitions for for the beggar no one wants to be anywhere near this guy rand least of all as soon as the guy screams at him and starts to scurry his way towards rand rand says screw it i'm out and just turns around and bolts the other way down some side streets and does not stop until he is zigged and zagged and back and forth through dozens and dozens of back streets to where he probably couldn't even make his way back to not eat not even the spot where he was originally, but back to the parade route at all. Rand loses the beggar. The beggar loses his scent. The beggar, it reminds me of like an old uh, Warner Brothers Pepe Le Pew where the cat's running as fast as she can and Pepe Le Pew is just really slowly, bloop, bloop, bloop. So the beggar shuffling his short, you know, very slowly shuffling his way through streets. And Rand is just pew, 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 through all the different back streets. After, like I said, about a dozen or so of these zigzags, he stops realizes that he's lost the beggar, but now he is completely lost in the city and no way to make it back to see the crowd, to see Loghain, to see anything. Now he's really like, God damn it, now everything. Wanted to do one, I had one job today. And, and now I can't even do that because God forbid dark friends show up at the most inopportune times and just screw with me and I can't do shit. 
So Rand devises a plan. He 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 makes his way. See if I can explain this well, because Ike sort of had trouble trying to imagine this, imagining this the first couple times I I, I read it. Kind of takes us back to the scene where he was aboard the spray and he climbed up into the crow's nest and maybe Taviren, maybe not Taviren. He decides to show off his acrobatic skills and swings down, you know, get, causes Tom a heart attack. Tom's like, dude, don't do that again. Not in front of the crowd. They might think you're a little bit uh, short, in the, short in the brain, dude. So let's, let's, let's calm that kind of stuff. He doesn't want to miss out on this once in a lifetime opportunity. And after trying to find his way, he, he sees you now he sees what looks to be a, a an outcrop of what used to be a garden or or, or rose bush or, or or hedges. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I may be putting my foot in my mouth, but the pavement rolls up to a wall from the from the uproll. You can get to a, a bushy area that you can start to climb, and then from there. You can climb a stone wall, and if you get about 30 feet up, you'd be able to see at a bird's eye view of the procession, not only the procession, but the gates to the palace in Camelot. So Rand starts to plot it out. He's like, well, you know what? If we go right there, go that way, through the bush up that way, then make it to the beginning of the stone wall. The crop, I can make, if I get enough good footholds and handholds, I can make it all the way to the top up there, and I would be able to see, and it would be great. And he starts to think, well, these rocks, th this stone wall is not unlike the rocks back in the Emmons Field. I mean, Matt and I used to climb these 20 times a day. This should be no problem at all. So as he's trying to plot out the best route up the wall, he starts hearing drums, and and he starts hearing the swelling noise of a cr anxious crowd about to get their payoff, and he's like, "God damn it! Oh my god! I, it's already starting! I need to! Oh my god! I need to get up there now!" The drums are now here's a doom, doom, doom of the drums now proclaiming the arrival of the false dragon Loghain. Rand starts to scurry up to the top of the wall in time. It mentions that a couple times he slips, doesn't hurt himself per se, but gets a couple good solid scrapes on his hand and some nice solid bruises along the way. He is able to make it up to the wall in time. Of course he's going to make it up to the wall in time. This is Rand, right? This would be kind of anticlimactic if he doesn't make it up to the wall in time and the reader misses the procession. I mean, the whole point of this is to give the reader the same experience as the crowds down in Camelin, so... Obviously, our main character makes it up to the wall in time. Loghain's procession arrives with all of the pomp and circumstance as was expected. The man in the cage is holding himself up in high regards. Rand even calls him a He has the look of a king in him. Cage be damned. He is there. He is showing off. He is peacocking himself from a cage. That's a, that's a hard thing to do. He may be prisoner, but he gives no signs of being captured at all. The procession starts, I guess, with the Queen's Knights, the Queen's Guard of Camelin, and banners, and horns, and drums, and horses, and just an overall, We did it! Here he is, everybody! Scowl at him! One of the things that Jordan even mentions is that everybody's... It reminds me of, and a little tangent, Princess Bride. Boo! Boo! As he's coming by, but as 
Loghain's eyes uh, scan the crowds. Anyone that he comes upon and makes eye contact with immediately stops and cowers away from his gaze. The guy from the cage is able to take command of the crowd. And then Jordan throws in, as soon as the gaze leaves the crowd, or leaves people in the crowd, they reinvigor their booze with a doubled fervor as if to make up for the lost time. Well, a couple things of note. After the procession, or, or at the end of the procession, we see the, the uh, armed forces of several other nations. Tyr, Ilian, Kerheim, everybody else who was in to bring down the false dragon and be able to bring him into the, into the uh, castle or into the palace at Caelan and stand before the queen. When Loghain's cage came by, he was there standing every, every regal ounce of him in the cage, surveying, surveying the crowds. But there were two Aes Sedais. And I think Jordan said they were sitting opposite corners, uh, crisscross, staring at Loghain, not keeping their eyes off of him. Just an absolute, absolute death stare focused on Loghain. Crowd goes by, the, the, the procession goes by, the whole thing goes, and it's, as with most parades, once it's done, it's like, oh, I guess they're done now. All right, let's go home. Kind of a, parades are fun and, and great to, to be at, but once they're done, it's like, okay, I guess we're done to here. Let's move on. So Rand's sitting up at the wall. He's watching it all, and he was, I think his biggest, his biggest takeaway from this procession was how, even though he was defeated, supposedly, Loghain Ablar showed no signs of being captured. He looked like a man doing exactly what he wanted, exactly when he wanted, in the exact manner in which he wanted it done. The cage might as well not been there. He wanted this to happen exactly the way it was, and Rand almost came off with a respectful kind of you know, if that's going to happen, if, if I'm going to be captured, that's how I want to look if that ever happens. That guy seemed to own it. If I'm going down, I'm going to own it kind of attitude. And I think Rand secretly may have had a little bit of respect for that. I mean, not respect for this guy who could channel in these rising armies to take down countries. None of that. But the way he owned it, I got to tip my hat to the wet to that. Good job. Good job. Uh, owning your capture. The very end of this very end of this chapter is probably one of the more iconic scenes, at least to me, in probably the whole series. Now, for those of you who, who are reading this for the first time, I'm not spoiling anything, but I will say that this ending to this chapter probably stuck with me. You know, if I had to go back and think of like 10, 20 moments in the book series, this would be one of them. So Rand's sitting atop of the wall. Everything's gone through. The crowd's making their way back to, you know, business as usual. And he ponders to himself out loud, why were there two eyes to die there? Why were they staring so intently at him? And from seemingly nowhere, a female voice says, because they're keeping bonds on him, silly. What? 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 You know, and as he turned to hear this random voice emanating from the top of a tree... He topples over the other side of the wall into, into darkness, thinking of Loghain's, thinking of Loghain as he's falling. We have our, we, we don't, at this point, 
we don't know who that voice is. It's just a female voice. But it startled Rand, and he's now falling <clears throat> uh, head over heels, literally. And I think Jordan even mentions his thoughts of Loghain and his and his presence is what he was thinking about as he uh, goes into darkness. As with most of these in-between, I'm going to say this is kind of an in-between chapter. It is a setup chapter. Obviously, it's a setup chapter because in chapter 40, we get a ton of new characters to the story. This chapter only had the, well, the beggar and Loghain are, are new characters that we that we've lack of a better term we've met we have a couple good setups here we we see matt become a complete hermit or a complete shut-in wants nothing to do with anything we get to see one of these uh false dragons and see what that's all about Rand once again trying showing off his athletic skill succeeds and able to scale the wall in in time to be able to see the possession procession but then again, falls over 30 feet the other way, head over heels, at the sound of a female voice. Good chapter. Good setup. There's a lot to talk about next chapter once we uh, find out where Rand has landed and who he has landed with. That is going to lead us into readings with Rob. And I did take that final passage of the chapter where Rand is able to see the procession and then everything goes dark. And now, the Taveren present to you Readings with Rob. Chapter 39, Weaving of the Web. With all of that, it was the man in the cage who caught and held Rand's eyes. He was not close enough to see Loghain's face as he wanted to, but he suddenly thought he was as close as he cared for. The false dragon was a tall man, with long, dark hair, curling around his broad shoulders. He held himself upright against the sway of the wagon with one hand on the bars over his head. His clothes seemed ordinary, a cloak and coat and breeches that would not have caused comment in any farming village. But the way he wore them, the way he held himself. Loghain was a king in every inch of him. The cage might as well not been there. He held himself erect, head high, and looked over the crowd as if they come to do him honor. And wherever his gaze swept, the people fell silent, staring back in awe. When Loghain's eyes left them, they screamed with redoubled fury as if to make up for their silence. But it made no difference in the way the man stood, or in the silence that passed along with him. As the wagon rolled through the palace gates, he turned to look back at the assembled masses. They howled at him, beyond words, a wave of sheer animal hate and fear. And Loghain threw back his head and laughed as the palace swallowed him. Other contingents followed behind the wagons, with banners representing more who had fought and defeated the false dragon. The golden bees of Ilion, the three white crescents of Tyr, the rising sun of Kerhine, others, many others, of nations and of cities, and of great men with their own trumpets, their own drums to thunder their grandeur. It was anticlimactic after Loghain. Rand leaned out a bit further to try and catch one last sight of the caged man. He was defeated, wasn't he? Light, he wouldn't be in a bloody cage if he wasn't defeated. 
overbalanced, he slipped and grabbed at the top of the wall, pulled himself back to a somewhat safer seat. With Loghain gone, he became aware of the burning in his hands where the stone had scraped his palms and fingers. Yet he could not shake free of the images. The cage and the Aes Sedai, Loghain undefeated. No matter the cage, that had not been a defeated man. He shivered and rubbed his stinging hands on his thighs. Why were the Aes Sedai watching him? He wondered aloud. Oh, like they're keeping him from touching the true source, silly. He jerked up to look toward the girl's voice, and suddenly his precarious seat was gone. He had only time to realize that he was toppling backwards, falling, when something struck his head and a laughing Loghain chased him into the spinning darkness. That was Readings with Rob. If there's a passage in an upcoming chapter you wish to have read on the podcast, simply tweet us at Pod with your request. Thank you. That was Readings with Rob. Uh, hopefully be able to premiere a couple more voices, a little little preview of one of the voices there. I'll try to go a little more into a couple more characters for the next chapter. So as I mentioned at the open, chapter 40, we are planning a full three-man press. Hopefully we can get uh, Mr. Bill back into the swing of things after uh, Daddy, uh, daughter number two, has arrived. And we can see where he has been and where his mind is at and see how his sleep schedule is, as all those with children can attest to. This is the time that I will bid everyone adieu in Randland, and I will see you guys on the other side. I'm going to go lock myself in a cage and act the king. That's what I'm going to do. Bye, everyone. Take care. Now that our heroic trio have left the familiar confines of the two rivers, they find themselves being chased by all sorts of denizens of the Dark One. Our party has been scattered, and the boys separated from Marvrain and Lan. Let us hope that luck, or some other force, can keep them safe. Uh, Bill? Bill? Billiam! Put that dagger down! You have no idea where in creation that's been! No, no, Rich. I don't have an extra cloak with me. Maybe if you didn't ride your horse straight into the Aranel, you wouldn't have this problem, hmm? For crying out loud, Robert, I know that girl from Berlon said weird things to you, but you shouldn't let it get under your skin so much. What are you, Eleven? You all remind me of a younger version of myself. Why, back in Watch Hill, I would... friends, this is Troidal Power, host of the Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. 
And I'm inviting you to listen to Troidal Power Presents, the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. You can find it and a lot of other weird shows at probablywork.com. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.